1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. My name is David Law. It is Middle Sunday as we come to you and Catherine Whittaker of Eurosport and myself, David Law, from BBC Radio 5 Live. We are currently exiting the Flushing Meadows US Open site because we are done for the day, Catherine, early. Got the early shift today, you and me, didn't we? So what we're doing is we're walking towards the bus stop, which is... uh, Dice with trouble, really, given what happened a year ago. Uh, if you didn't... Uh... Remember that. Go back and listen. But basically, Catherine and I were refused entry onto the bus, and we ended up having a massive argument live on the tennis podcast. So anything can happen. There are throngs and throngs of people out here at the moment. Many of them waiting for the night session to begin with garbini Magaruth and Petra Kavitova. uh And at the moment, Venus Williams is on the big screen being played. She is level at one set all as we come to you. But what has happened so far today, Catherine? We've had a couple of I suppose that the players that light up interest in terms of the the punters around here going out because Denis Shapovalov lost in three tiebreak sets, each one of them exactly fifty-eight minutes long, which is a bit bizarre.
2: Great fact, I didn't know that.
1: Well, you want to hang around with me more often <laughs> on on Five Live. That's the sort of good stuff you get. But uh, anyway, he played well, but. Pablo Carreño Busta, he's he's an animal. That guy, he just keeps on coming, and you know you would have to hit so many good shots, winning shots, to to knock him over.
2: I was so impressed with Pablo Carreño Busta today. I mean, it wasn't the the, the swashbuckling tennis that Denis Shapovalov uh, plays, and I sort of felt sorry for him for that. You know, he's having to play the 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 straight laced baddie, I suppose, in the piece, but. He was, he was magnificent. I mean, Shapovalov was fantastic. He just wasn't fantastic in the tie-breaks. Um, and uh, I, I I don't think it's because he was tired, because he had played a lot of tennis, or that he was uh, uh, m- mentally not experienced enough at that level. I just think it's a really tough test, playing Pablo Busta, and he's just not quite there yet for a fourth round of a, of a Grand Slam. You know, the relentlessness of him uh, was just... A bit too much. I was very impressed with the way Shapovalov stuck with it in that in that third set, went 3 love up, got pegged back, took it to a tie break. I think almost all young players in a similar sort of situation to him would have fallen away completely in that third set, couldn't have coped with the disappointment, very understandably so, and I was extremely impressed with him. But Corini Buster, yeah, there was a real grit about him today that I've not necessarily seen before. Um, I'm not sure how much further he'll go, but... He's only ever reached one Grand Slam quarterfinal before at the French this year and had to retire from it, so this is a big deal for him.
1: Well, he's got D- Diego Schwartzman next from Argentina, who's an incredibly talented player. I mean, when you look at him standing side by side with some of these opponents, it's hard to believe that he's actually able to compete because they're so much bigger than he is. But in terms of firepower, he is, he is the equal of so many of them because he hits the ball so hard. From what I understand, he was physically not in the greatest of shapes today. So you ask how well Pablo Corina Buster can do going forwards. I would imagine he is a pretty heavy favourite.
2: I would too, but I would have thought that Luca Pui against an injured Diego Schwartzman would have been a, a pretty heavy favourite. And lo and behold, there he is losing in four, four sets, fought back to win the third. But I didn't see that much of that match. So on a postcard, if, if I'm being unfair, I think... Uh, Schwartzman obviously did brilliantly but I just want more across the board from Nico because I think he's fantastic and, and generally speaking he's underachieving
1: yeah, I, I'd, I'd share that view. Yeah, I, I totally agree on this, the subject of Dennis. I feel as though, I and mean, if you look at the match, all three sets were basically the same. He was in all of them. Uh, there were three tie breaks as Catherine goes to try and negotiate with somebody outside the bus to hold the bus because there's important business to be done here. The tennis podcast is recording everybody. Uh, but the, the fact is that there are just... Uh, I suppose go-to plays for really experienced champions, and it's something that I think Grigor Dimitrov's never worked out, is what his go-to play is when he really needs a point or two, Um, and the best players have got them. The the other thing is that you mentioned that sticking in on every single point. You're right, I mean, I think of of people like Hewitt and... um, Roddick and Nadal those scrappers who just won't go away and and Shapovalov has definitely got some of that to go with his his incredible talent and so it, it bodes well and, and there was a lovely moment at the end of the match when he departed the scene and he put his bag down on the court in the middle of the baseline and he just just so that he could properly say thank you and goodbye to the crowd here
2: it was a really special moment. I was courtside for it. I got goosebumps, um, and he judged it perfectly. He didn't steal the limelight from Karenja It was a very fine line in that situation, actually. When he, when he motioned to start putting his bag down and do that, I did... Uh, I did sort of steel myself a bit I thought and he judged it perfectly I thought it was a really nice gesture absolutely the right thing to do did it for just the right amount of time and then exited stage left for Karen Buster to have his
1: moment he did how about this for an extra <laughs> on the tennis podcast Simon Briggs of the Telegraph has just come to get his bus at the same time he's clearly been given the early night as well <laughs> uh, Simon up in arms at that statement. I've taken it. I've been given it. <laughs> no. Uh, but anyway, we'll come back with all the, the night's results at some point. Simon, uh, we've just been t- talking about Denis Shapovalov. We've also seen the departure of Maria Sharapova at the hands of Anastasia Sevastova. Your thoughts on the day? Yeah, I mean, we thought they probably um, they were the two
3: stars of the show and they have both gone out. Uh, so there's a slight uh, disappointment, I guess, from the point of view of the tournament. Um, having said that they were good matches uh, both fascinating uh, and a lot to talk about really
1: yeah Sloane Stevens has also gone through good win for her so she'll now face Severstover in the next round Simon just want to get your thoughts quickly both of you before you board the bus about tomorrow we've got Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal in action we weren't able to cover them in, in last night's show because uh, we weren't around basically <laughs> um, both of them won through and both of them to me Simon looked a lot more like their normal selves
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been scoffing a bit at this kind of concept of, oh, they're going to meet in the semi-final because I wasn't sure that they were. You know, Rafa has not shown much form outside Australian Open and clay court season. Roger's been battling his back. So I wasn't convinced they were going to go deep. But maybe uh, I changed my
1: mind last night. Catherine's now looking at the bus drivers as if to say, "Have you actually got a seat on that bus? Because if you haven't, there's going to be trouble."
2: One's being saved on me for me, but I know I know what they're like, so I'm feeling very edgy. So I'll just pass on the thoughts of Boris Becker, who said about Rafael Nadal that if he's going to be beaten, it'll have to be in under two hours. No one's beating Nadal in a match that goes more than two hours, and I found that very interesting.
1: Very interesting indeed. Um, so we're we going to get this match, this semi-final, or what?
2: Yes, I now feel a lot more confident that yes, we are.
1: Catherine, where to go?
2: Del Potro, though. Uh, I I briefly forgot about Del Potro. I think yes. I feel slightly more confident, but Del Potro is the spanner in the works because I think he's coming through against Dominic Team tomorrow on the Grandstand Court, a match that should have been on Arthur Ashe. I you, mean, you
1: think that, do you? Because I had a bit of a rant about that earlier. Yeah, I, I, the the Federal Nadal Open is just starting to slightly get into my skin.
2: Yeah, look, I, I see that. It, it's almost impossible to bump one of those over and I think had there not been the uproar yesterday about the scheduling and the fact that the, the night session started so late and that, that they almost had the latest ever fish, finish for a night session I think they might have put three men's matches on Ash tomorrow night. personally I think that would have been justified The, the women's generally you get three women's, two men's and that works brilliantly but I think tomorrow it, those three matches are good enough to to justify being on Ash I would have done that but I think in the current climate, they wanted to avoid the that particular line of, of uh, scheduling fire.
1: Okay, Catherine. So happy
2: with other lines of scheduling fire, obviously, but not those. You and Simon are getting the same bus, aren't you? So you two can can plod on.
1: Yeah, let's see if we can just shuffle towards our bus. Let's watch Catherine from afar, Simon, and just 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 see if she makes it. She's running at the moment, and uh, we know what that means. Um, but yeah, it's been. An interesting day, a couple of surprises. I'm really surprised that Sharapova didn't manage to get the win today. What about you, Simon? Do you, do you have any issues with the, the scheduling here at all? I mean, do you just accept that that's, you know, showbiz and business dictates?
3: Yeah, I mean, we, I spoke to you about it on uh, Five Live earlier on, and uh, tennis has a, has a conflicted soul because it's an entertainment business. It's uniquely dependent upon its big stars. And it's never been quite fair. Wildcards aren't fair. Agencies aren't fair. Um, Management of tournaments by IMG, for instance, and then running leading players, that's complicated. And scheduling, same thing. Do you...
1: Uh, We could be the last two seats on this bus, more importantly. We're going to get on the bus, folks. How about this? I'll bring you the results later. Five hours later, to be precise. And, uh, well, first match-up a big upset. Petra Kvitova defeating Garbina Magarutha, who for many people, myself included, was the favourite for the women's title. I mean, I suppose in truth, you know, Petra Kvitova is not really an underdog on paper in as much as she can beat anybody on her day. But then think about what she's been through. Think about how less than a year ago she was attacked in her own home and and stabbed by an intruder and had her hand i mean if you haven't seen the the graphic gruesome pictures that were released by her and her doctors over the last couple of weeks of, of the playing hand that she suffered the lacerations to i mean if you've got a, a, a a a dislike of of that kind of thing don't see it is all I would say because it is it is hard to to look at but it does give you an idea of just what an extraordinary comeback this is word is that she's not even able to to fist pump with her left hand but she was able to hit countless winners today against Garbinia Muguruza quite phenomenal performance Muguruza was up a a breaker serve in the first set but Kvitova turned that around, won it in a tiebreak, break and and was just steaming winners from every corner of the court and you know if she carries on playing like that she could win the whole thing. She's got uh, Venus Williams next which is I reckon that's in the balance that match. Uh, I'd probably marginally say Venus Williams as favourite for it but Kvitova on that sort of form can beat anybody. It's quite as simple as that. They were followed onto the court by uh, Sam Querrey and Um, Misha Zverev which I I mean I'm not doing so well with the old predictions at the moment I thought that'd be close and it was anything but it was 77 minutes long it was Sam Query 6-2, 6-2, 6-1 he was fabulous He, he was Kvitova like in the way that he played just winners flying off his racket and I think that sometimes we do a bit of a disservice to Sam Query he becomes the punchline to certain jokes and uh, I'm not immune to, to slightly roll in my own eyes when he comes up on the schedule, to be honest, because he's not exactly Mr. Charisma in many ways. But when he plays really, really well... He is dangerous, and he can play fantastic tennis. i was just looking at the record he had in Acapulco back in February. He won this title, and he beat Kyle Edmund in the first round. He beat David Goffin second round, Dominic team quarterfinals, Nick Kyrgios 7-5 in the third in the semis, and then Rafael Nadal in straight sets. And I didn't see all of those matches, but from what I was hearing, he was... He was extraordinarily good. I mean, the funny thing was with him, he then went straight to Indian Wells and lost in the first round and then lost in the second round in Miami. So you never really know what you're going to get from the guy. But he, at the moment, is in the zone. He's uh, into the quarterfinals. He's just become the number one ranked American man. They they just re- revealed that in the on-court interview with Tom Rinaldi at the end for ESPN. And, and he was clearly just absolutely thrilled about that. Um, and now we get this bottom half of the draw lineup which sees query against kevin anderson then pablo Correna buster up against diego schwartzman and uh, well you pick a winner out of that that's uh, one of those four is going to be a grand slam finalist. that's how much we do know uh, we've done a pole vault you'll be pleased to know Catherine will be thrilled um on that very subject which has got a, a, a couple of days to run but early on most of you think that Sam Query will be the one. 62% think he will get through to the final. So we'll see. Uh, on the subject of pole vaults, I'm going to fill my boots right now because I'm sitting in a hotel room on my own. Catherine's gone to bed. This is brilliant. I can just do pole, pole vaults galore. Um, just to give you an idea of how awful your own predictions have been, um, Sixty-four percent of you thought that Shapovalov would beat um, Shapovalov. Sorry, would beat Karina Busta. Uh, well, that didn't happen. And eighty-six percent of you thought that Muguruza would beat Kavita. So I feel marginally better about the fact that my own predictions were rubbish. And we've got a, a vote that's still going on at the moment. The Nadal versus Federer U.S. Open semi-final. Will it happen? Now, 58% of you out of 900-odd votes have said that it will happen. 42% say that it won't. So, still in the balance. That will be continued on uh, Monday with uh, Nadal playing against Alexander Dog- Dogopolov in the afternoon and then Federer up against Philip Kohlschreiber in the evening. I'd, I'd be surprised if those two players were able to beat them on this occasion, A couple of us beaten Nadal. I think he's the more dangerous of the two opponents because has never won against Federer. So we will wait and see on that particular score. A couple of comments have come in from uh, listeners on at Tennis Podcast on Twitter. Mike Tomlinson says, I'm beginning to think that Sloane Stevens is a genuine contender for the women's title. Her speed on the court is unrivaled and she currently has the timing to go with it. Um, we have uh, our good friend, David Levy, uh, who's a regular listener to the Tennis Podcast and a good friend of ours, Uh, he says, I've got a question for you from my wife, Tash, who says, how does Sharapova stay so sharp and match fit after such a long time off? Good question, actually. Uh, But, I mean, I think if, if, if you monitor her social media platforms and and channels she clearly works incredibly hard and is 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 seriously dedicated to the sport and it'll be interesting to see whether she can now move on from a pretty decent performance at the u.s open reaching the fourth round and and build on it and 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 make inroads particularly at the australian open i I heard she was going to try and play beijing in uh when's that going to be in october so um uh comeback will continue she will hope if she can stay fully fit but that is just about it for the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph and with eurosport we hope you have enjoyed our show today we will be back with more tomorrow loads more tennis to enjoy do have a good sleep if you're going to go to bed now like i am and we'll speak to you soon